Hi, welcome to More Life, the Reentry Podcast, a podcast about offender reentry reform and advocacy. I'm your host, Vinkivia Garner. On today's episode, I will be leading a discussion to talk about 10 important things that should be considered when working with children um, with incarcerated parents. For the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about just the impact of incarceration on children and, you know, how it impacts their well-being. And I think another really important thing that I have just learned throughout, you know, just learning more about this is there are things that we need to be taking into consideration when we're working with these individuals or just working with their families in general. So the 10 things that I will be talking about today come directly from Project Avery, um, and I will make sure that I put the citation in the bottom as well as any additional information regarding um, these considerations in the bottom as well. But before we kind of go into what these considerations are, I just want to give you a little brief insight on what Project Avery is. And Project Avery is a uh, organization that has been around for some decades now. Um, I think they originally started off as a Bay Area summer camp, and then they have grown into a much larger program that serves children of incarcerated parents. And kind of what their aim is, is to really help children heal from the impacts of having a parent in prison. Um, They do a lot of peer mentorship, um, empowering them with by helping them develop their own leadership skills, and a lot of work that involves breaking this kind of generational cycle of trauma and incarceration. So they have a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of experience of working with this particular group. And just as I was doing some some more research on just the topic, I found some considerations um, from Project Avery that I thought would be very beneficial to share with the audience. Um, And feel free to always go more, I mean, always go and read more and, you know, find more information. But I really wanted to just talk about these 10 points that they brought up, um, because I think that they're very important here. Um, So kind of the first thing, like I said, so we're going to be talking about the top 10 things that you should know when working with children of incarcerated parents um, or just interacting with them in general. So just to jump right in, the first thing that they have listed is that when you're working with a child that has incarcerated parents, you never want to ask them about the circumstances of their parents' arrest. Because in all reality, that information is quite irrelevant. And so we don't ever want to ask that one, because asking those type of questions can make a child just feel uncomfortable. And it can also just make them feel like you're judging them. Um, And it can eventually just damage the trust and the report between you and that child. If we're inquiring about, okay, the details of what the crime was of the parents Um, and different things like that. So those are things we want to be mindful of when we're working with children is making sure that we're not questioning, okay, and trying to figure out extra details of what crime may have been committed, because honestly, that information is quite irrelevant. It's also just like very respectful to like let the child disclose what information they would like to um, and let allow them to lead the discussion. Um, And you don't want the conversation to be primarily focused on what the mom or the dad or whatever, whoever the parental figure is, 
on their incarceration and what they did. We really want to be focusing on the child's emotional experience in response to that incarceration, in response to that absence, rather than the details of what happened. So I think that's a very important thing that um, for teachers who are out there, counselors who are out there, or anybody that is interacting for with these children. Another thing that also should be considered is that all children need one-on-one attention. Um, I think that that's just like a consideration for every child, regardless of what the circumstances are going on. Um, But I think when particularly talking about children of incarcerated parents, they definitely still need that one-on-one attention, that one-on-one support, um, because oftentimes they're not getting that at home. There's probably a lot of chaos, a lot of turmoil that is going on in the household. So they're not able to, um, you know, have that one-on-one support or, you know, those relationships. And I know in one of the previous episodes that we had, one of the things that is really important to helping, you know, build healthy relationships and um, maintain, you know, the emotional stability for children when their parents are become incarcerated is, you know, those positive relationships or those positive role models. So being able to, you know, get that one-on-one attention and one-on-one support and mentorship at school or whatever after-school programs that they're in is very important. Um, It also is just like important when we're thinking about a lot of times when children are acting out, a lot of times it has to do with changes in the home. Um, and I feel like we've seen this in a lot of places of when there's when there's change, um, children tend to act out. Um, behaviors start to change and a parent being arrested, a parent being released, um, you know, a change in date of release. These are all things that can influence um, a child's behavior. And these children definitely need that additional support and that additional attention when they can get it. So I think that's just something very important to like keep in mind is all of these children need one-on-one attention and they need that additional support. And I guess while we're on the topic of just like, you know, changes in behavior, um, I think it's very important to also notice that stress at home can look like other things at school. Um, I think it's very common for us when we see, you know, a child that has maybe some con- some issues with attention um, or something like that. It's very, it's very easy for us to be, oh, okay, that child might have ADHD. Or if we see a child having learning um, problems, you know, to want to say that they have a learning disability. And I'm not negating the fact that that couldn't be possible, but I also think that, you know, these things can manifest very differently at school. So when when you have a child who has an experience of someone who, like a parental incarceration, um, a lot of times these circum they have unstable circumstances. Um, there's a lot of insecurity as far as of like basic necessities that they need. They may not be getting um, the proper amount of food. Or there may be a lot of violence that they're witnessing in um, you know the household. And so when these children come to school, they may be more anxious. They may be hungry. They may be tired. They may be you know, having difficulties concentrating. Um, They also may be having difficulties learning. Um, 
And these could be due to some of these circumstances of what is going on at home. So, you know, stress at home can look very differently than how it is portrayed at school. So I think those are things to also keep in mind when we're working with um, children of incarcerated parents is just really trying to figure out, okay, what is the what is maybe the cause of some of these, you know, behavioral changes at school? Is this something like you know, ADHD, or could this be related to, you know, some circumstances that are going on at home? Um, one of the next things that I also think is possible is just, or well, not possible, I'm sorry, but I also think it's just important is talking to the parents or the caregiver um, whenever you can. Um, you don't ever want to assume that a caregiver is incapable, not concerned, or not involved. You, if there's a caregiver available or a parent available, um, try to talk to that parent and, you know, come to that parent in a honest place of concern and, you know, in a genuine place of concern and wanting to care for the child and putting away any biases or judgment that you may have. That's a very important thing. And Moving on to like the fifth thing, which I think is one of the most crucial things that we could do is listen. You know, a lot of these children, especially if their parents are incarcerated, um, they don't have anybody. A lot of them don't have anybody that is listening to them or that they can go and share their experience with or even just talk to about what they're experiencing um and sometimes it's it's harder for certain children to even share those experiences um but i think just listening to children and understanding trying to get an understanding of how they feel and kind of letting them know that they are not alone um can be really beneficial can really help build trust and rapport and really put people on a path towards, you know, getting the additional support that they need. Um, and one of the crucial things with that comes with listening is just, once again, coming from a genuine place of care, um, really wanting to help that child and understand their experiences and really putting away your biases or, you know, personal opinions about, you know, what the parent may have done or how you feel about incarcerated people. Um, these things can re be really beneficial for, um, children. A lot of these children are in schools and they need that additional support. They need, um, someone that is going to kind of be there so they can talk to, um, and share their experiences with, um, because they don't have their parents. Um, and they may honestly feel like that they are going through this alone. They may not understand what is going on. Um, and just having that, you know, that ear could be what they need to get them to the next step or to the necessary resources. So I think that's also very important. Um, and I think one of the things that they've also have on here from Project Avery is just using books. I feel like books are such a great way to help educate um, children just on any topic. Um, but specifically when we're talking about children with incarcerated parents, a lot of them may feel isolated. A lot of them may not understand what is actually going on, or they may not understand the process of how this works. There's also 
just like I said, going back to that previous point of just feeling like that they are going through this themselves, that they're um, the only one in the room going through this. And that just leads to those more of those feelings of isolation. Um, there's also just those feelings of grief and loss that they have to process. Um, and it can be really difficult to navigate that when you don't really know what is happening. And I think books are a great way to kind of help facilitate that learning process for these children. There are a lot of great books out there that kind of help that even go through the process of, process of just explaining what incarceration is, um, empowering children, um, you know, that have incarcerated parents. Um, there are books out there that talk about stigma specifically because that's something that a lot of these children have to deal with is, um, the stigmatization that comes with their parent being incarcerated. Um, so kind of even incorporating these books in the classroom about, you know, these type of families can be non-threatening, can be a non-threatening way to let children know that they are not alone um, and kind of opening up the conversation for these children to talk about their experiences and to learn more about what this process look like, what this process looks like and um, how they can be how they can be empowered um, and not necessarily feel all the negative feelings that they're feeling or having to process those there like I said I will make sure that I put um, a link for books in the description box um, I know that there are some great ones out there that are just I don't know they talk about a lot of different subjects and um, so I'll make sure I list those in the description box one of the next things that I think is very important for us to consider, and we've talked about this on here, is just like that overall power of language. So making sure that we're being sensitive about word choices and making generalizations. Um, so we don't want to use language that is offensive to people or um, offensive to children. Like I said, we we know the um, significance of language and we also know the impact of language and how derogatory and dehumanizing language can be harmful and um, and it can really limit the opportunities for people so that's one thing to just really be careful about and be sensitive about and using a language that is inclusive of extended families um, caregivers you know family members who are not living in the home. Um, these are all important things. I also think it's just very important to ask open questions. Um, a lot of the times we, I think it's very common for us to say, is your mom picking picking you up today? Or is your dad picking you up today? But um, using a more open question, such as who is picking you up today, can really help minimize the um, discomfort that a child may experience, especially if one of those parents is incarcerated. Um, so just be sensitive about the words that you use um, and kind of making generalizations. It can really just be helpful. And like I said, minimizing that discomfort for a child. Um, also, another thing is, and I think in one of the episodes, they talked about this of just secrecy, which was very new to me. Um, but just remembering that different families handle disclosure differently. Um, so a lot of times families may give different reasons for why an incarcerated person 
um, is not living in the home at the moment. Um, you know, sometimes they'll say they're away on vacation, at school, out for work. Um, and then in some cases, um, the information is just left out because it's just too difficult to explain. Um, and, uh, or it's just too painful. Um, so just keep in mind that some families have a different way of handling this information. Um, and making sure that we kind of um, are not necessarily, we don't, not asking about how they handle this, but just keep that in mind because these conversations may look different um, across families. So that's very important. Another thing that Project Avery has on here that I think is a really great idea, and they call it the having the right to pass. Um, and basically what this means is just children have the right to pass the conversation. Um, and uh, basically in, in this, it's an agreement about answering any question that might be uncomfortable. Um, and the children have the right to say, you know, I'm going to pass on that. So this could be like, oh, where's your mom? Or what did you do this weekend? Like, because because these questions can be very loaded and they can um, be very painful sometimes and come with a lot of heavy emotions. Children have the right to pass. They have the right to not answer those questions um, because it makes them feel uncomfortable. Um, and this just helps really build trust between whoever the child is working with um, if you allow them to have that right and allow them to engage in that and utilize that. So I really thought that was great uh, as I feel like all children should be able to have the right to pass, especially if something makes them uncomfortable. But yes, this essentially helps children feel more comfortable and safe and engaging in discussion. So that's also something to keep in mind or, or try to implement in your classrooms. Um, or in your household, or wherever, but that's an important consideration. And one of the last considerations, which I think is a good one as well, which I think all of these are great, but there are some that I feel like are just like very important um, when we're talking about children with incarcerated parents, or just talking about incarceration in general. But this last one is never speak ill of the parent that is incarcerated. Um, you never, regardless of the circumstances, it's already painful um, what the child is going through. Um, so the last thing that they kind of want to hear is somebody else's judgment about their parents or about what their parent may have done. Um, so if a child is coming to you and talking to you about their parent and the circumstances and of what had happened or, you know, you don't want to bad mouth the parent. Um, you know, that's just not our, it's like I said, I think it kind of goes back to like, that's, that's just, it really sums up all of this. And one, that's just not our job to do that and to put our opinions on to the child or tell what we think we should really be trying to be there for the child. Um, and, helping them process the emotional experience. Um, 
and not talking ill of their parents um because it doesn't do anything but kind of really destroy the um trust and rapport that you may have with a child um and children can really start to internalize some of these judgments and and can really just cause more problems than what we what we want um so really focusing on just trying to support that child and you know process that emotional experience and not speaking ill of the parent that is incarcerated um so yes those are the 10 things that project avery um has listed of just like considerations and advice and suggestions to kind of better help support this population um i think all of these are really great and um i'm so glad that i found these so i can kind of share them with you all of you know these are things that we need to know um so i'll make sure that i put the um link for where I found this information in the description box and any additional information that could be useful in supporting children with incarcerated parents. And as always, if you enjoy listening to More Life, please hit the subscribe button. And if you are interested in following us on Instagram, please follow us at More Life, the reentry podcast. Thank you.